You are listening to a message that was given at Living Word Chapel, Oracle, Arizona. It is our hope and prayer that God will use this message to speak to you and enrich your life. For more information, visit lwcoracle.org. LWC First Service and our online campus, we thank you for being here with us this morning as we worship the one who's worthy to be praised in worship. So we're in a, in a series uh, going through the Gospel of John, and uh, God has been speaking to us through his word, and, and how many of you know that, that the word of God is what changes our lives? You know, our, our opinions and our feelings, they change daily. But the word of God remains the same forever. And, and I want to start out with a question. Um, when, when you go into a church building, and I'm, I'm kind of putting this, uh, directing it at you, but just think about everybody in general. When, when you go into a church building, what do you expect to see? What do, you, what, what, do you, what do you expect to be exhibited? You know, I've talked to people throughout the years, and, and many of them have been to church maybe in their past, and they were hurt in a church. So when they go into a, a church building, uh, they go with expectations that the people are going to be judgmental. They're going to be uh, uh, biased about, against everything. Uh, they're going to uh, think that they are above everybody else. So everyone has different opinions. Would you agree with me on that? What, what do we expect to see when we go into a church? And let me ask another question. What does Jesus expect to see in a church? What does God want? Because the text that we're going in, Jesus goes to the place of worship and he does some things that were very unexpected of Jesus. Because what he found in the, the let's say, the church setting were contrary to what God wants to find in a church. There are two things that are vital to a house of worship. The first is just what I said, it's worship. And worship is more than music. Amen. Sometimes we say, oh, the worship was great. The praise and worship was fantastic. And it is. Amen. But worship is a lifestyle. Worship is, is, is every part of our life that, that brings glory to God, where, where we make him the most important part of our lives. That's worship. The second thing that's vital to uh, a house of worship is prayer. Would you agree with me with that? Prayer is vital. It, it's this communion that we have with God Almighty. It's being able to, to communicate with him, to talk to him, and to actually hear him. Jesus said, my sheep... Hear my voice. 
He's a great shepherd. So, so there's a promise that he'll speak to us uh, through the pages of Scripture and through that small, still voice of the Holy Spirit that, that you just know that you know that you know that God is directing you or he's speaking to you. So, so a, a, a house of worship should be founded on worship and prayer. And when you understand this, it, it helps us out. And as we, as we look at it, I, I, we're going to go into the text right now, but I want us to look at this text, which is going to be in, in John's Gospel, chapter 2. I want us to look at it through the lens of the New Testament and, and who we are as God's people. See, the word for church is, in the original is ecclesia. It's where we get in Spanish the word iglesia. Anyone speak Spanish in here? Just raise your hand if you do. Speak Spanish. All right. Iglesia. We get it from the word ecclesia. And what the word means is those that have been called out of the world into a relationship with their creator, with Jesus, and other people that, that love God. And so the ecclesia of God are, are, are people. It's not a building. That's why the church is not under any kind of trouble when there's a pandemic and we got to shut the doors down because this is, not the, this is not the church. This is the church. Are you with me? And so the church goes wherever God sends us to go. The apostle Paul, as he's writing to the Corinthians, he said this, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone destroys the temple of God, God will destroy that person. For the temple of God is holy, and that is what you are. So every person that follows Jesus Christ has the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. We have become the holy of holies for God to dwell. Isn't that amazing? Even with all the stuff that we do throughout the week. How many of you had some mishaps this week? We all fall short of the glory of God, but here's the thing is that God's glory still dwells with us. He's with us. He's in us. And he calls us, and I would even say he empowers us to live, to live lives that are worthy of worship and holiness. In other words, he's working in James Reese every week progressively sanctifying me, setting me apart so I can do the things that are pleasing to him. Now, I don't do it all the time, but I do it in his power. Amen? Here, here's what, what Paul again wrote to the Corinthians. He said this, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. What's the high price that God bought us with? The cross. Jesus paid it all. If you think you're not worthy, if you think you're not worth uh, something to God, he gave his best for you. And so with that, we, we understand that, that he's with us. And he goes on, uh, uh, he says, so you must honor God with your body. And so there's this, this, this wonderful uh, truth that we belong to God, that, that we uh, walk with him and he walks with us and he walks in us through the power of the Holy Spirit. He imputed his righteousness on us. In other words, my right standing has nothing to do with me. It has to do everything with Jesus. 
When God sees James 3, he sees my faith in him, in, in Christ. And he's imputed this right standing on me that changes the way we live our life. And so we're going to go now to John's gospel. We're going to look at, at uh, verses 13 through 22 in chapter 2. And if you don't have uh, your Bible, you can go to the Bible app or you can go to the notes. And they'll be there as well. And what we find is that um, it's, it's the first Passover that, that is mentioned in, God, in John's gospel. And... The Jews celebrated the Passover. They celebrated what God had, did, had done in Egypt when he freed the people from bondage. Okay, Moses was sent to Egypt, and there the Egyptians had the, the, the Jews in bondage. They were, they were their slaves. And, and God heard the cries of the, of the Israelites, and he sent Moses. Now, Moses was a nobody. In his own perspective, he, he said, I'm not even worthy to go do this, but how many of you know that God chooses nobodies to do something? Let me, let me say this again. God chooses nobodies to be somebodies. Thank the Lord for that. And so he went there, and, and, when, and, and the last miracle that was performed, and God did many miracles there in Egypt, but the last miracle that was performed, he said, I want you to get a lamb without any blemish, and I want you to, to sacrifice that lamb, and I want you to put the blood of the lamb on the doorpost of each house and the lintel, and the death angel will pass over that house, and it will not be affected. But wherever the blood of that Passover lamb is not placed, the firstborn is going to die. And so we, we find that. Now, now Jesus comes on the scene. Let's, let's fast forward. And Jesus comes on the scene and John the Baptist sees him coming and he says, this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so Jesus is the true Passover Lamb, not only for Israel, but for the whole world. Those who trust in Jesus Christ do not fear death because death has been defeated through Jesus. And that's where we're at right now. So, so um, as we come to this place, Jesus just did a, a miracle, his first miracle that's recorded in John's gospel. And he turned the, he turned the, the water into what? Into alcohol. Right? Remember last week, the, 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 the person that was over the ceremony, he said, man, I, I, nobody does this. Usually they bring out the, 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 the good wine first, and when everyone gets a little buzz, that's my paraphrasing, then they bring, then they bring out the cheap stuff. But you brought out the, the less expensive stuff, and then you saved the best for last. That wasn't them. That was Jesus. And how many of you know that when Jesus does things in our life, it's always good? He's the new wine. He, he's the one that makes us better, okay? Uh, so now we're, we're coming from that miracle to verse 13. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. So Jesus went to Jerusalem, and in the temple area, he saw merchants selling cattle, sheep and doves for sacrifices. He also saw dealers at tables exchanging foreign money, and Jesus made a whip from some ropes 
and chase them out of the temple. Chase them all out of the temple. Now, I just want you, I'm going to pause right there because I want you to just picture this. Could you imagine Jesus coming into a place of worship and, and him seeing that they were exchanging things? They were just doing things out of ordinary, you know, that's how they did worship at that time. And he gets these ropes together and he begins to, to just knock everything all over the place, all upset. And everybody's like going, what in the world is going on? He drove out the sheep and cattle, and he scattered the money changers' coins over the floor, and he turned over the tables. Then going over to the people who sold doves, he told them, get these things out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. Then his disciples remembered this prophecy from the scriptures, passion for God's house will consume me. But the Jewish leaders demanded, what are you doing? If God gave you authority to do this, show us a miraculous sign to prove it. Jesus said, all right, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Now, I want you just to look at that scripture right there. It's so important, verse 19, and I want us to look at verse 14, because there's two different words that are used for temple in those places. In the first part, in verse 14, the word Huron, the Greek word Huron is used. And what that means is actually the, the, the building and the, and the courts. A place. He went to a place. He went to the temple. The, the second part the, for, for uh, temple, the second word that's used in verse 19 is nails. Exactly. And, and nails is a sanctuary. It describes a person. He said, and in three days, I will raise it up. And they said, what? Everyone together say, what? What? They explained, it's taken 46 years to build this temple, and you can rebuild it in three days? But when Jesus said this temple, he meant nails. He meant his own body. And after he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered he had said this and they believed both the scriptures and what Jesus had said. And that's important to us because the word of God never changes. Our feelings and our emotions always change. Jesus was talking about the word of God. Jesus is the living word. He said, you destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it. It's important to know that this was prophetic. It had been written and spoken in the Old Testament. And Jesus came to fulfill what was written in the Old Testament. 400 years before Jesus, the prophet Malachi, he wrote this. I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Here's Malachi writing about someone that's going to come in the future. I will send my messenger. God will send him. He who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. Then the Lord will have men who bring offerings in righteousness and the offerings of Judah 
and Jerusalem will be acceptable to the Lord as in days gone by, as in former years. So there was a prediction that, that this messenger would come, that this, the, the, the Messiah, the anointed one would come and reveal himself to Israel. But the Lord, what he was looking for, and, and this is important for us today, what the Lord is looking for is people that have a heart of worship and people of prayer. What's gonna change our families? Well, let me back up. What's gonna change us? God. The only one that has the power to change James Reese is Jesus Christ. The, the only one that has the power to, to help me navigate in, in the complexities of, of, of raising a, a family is Jesus Christ. And so as we worship him, as, he, we, as we make him primary and make everything secondary, he moves on our behalf. And, and you may be in here, beloved, you may be in here in this place where we gather to worship God, and you may come with a set of circumstances. Let me tell you that the God that I'm talking about right now is able to help you overcome whatever you're facing. He's able to, to give you what you need in whatever you're going through. So let's look at the, I got three points that I think are gonna be helpful, kind of takeaways that we can take away with us. Here's the first one. The temple is set apart to be a place of worship, prayer, and communion with God. When God called the Israelites out of Egypt, I gotta go back there because that's important. The exodus from bondage to freedom was a call to worship the living God. And the reason that God went there through his servant Moses was for them to come out of bondage. Hear me now. If any of us have ever been in bondage, we know what that's like. It's a dark place. When you're at a place that's dark, it's a, it's a place where you're, you, you, you just don't know what tomorrow brings. You don't know how you're going to make it to, to, through today. God knows and he cares. And look, and look at what, what, uh, what Moses says, uh, or what God says to Moses in Exodus chapter 8, verse 1. Go to Pharaoh and say to him, this is what the Lord says, let my people go so that they may what? Again, let's say it a little bit louder. So they may worship me. So God's call for his people always is for us to be free to worship him. Because great things happen when you worship God. And if you're not worshiping God, you'll be worshiping other things. You'll have other things as, a, as, a, as first importance in your life, and it will always skew who God created you to be. And when he called them, he had the temple in mind. He had a place where his glory would be revealed and experienced. How many of you in here have experienced the glory of God in your life? It's just a beautiful thing. How, how many of you have experienced the presence of, of, of God in your life? It's, it's a beautiful thing for us to experience the presence. Uh, there was a, a monk, uh, and, and he wrote this, this, this book, Practicing the Presence of God, right? Brother Lawrence. He was a nobody, according to everybody. But that book... 
But that book has been read by more leaders than probably any other book. And it really just teaches us how to, how to just practice the presence of God wherever you're at. Because when God is in your midst, there's peace, there's joy, there's patience that we can't produce, there's faithfulness, you're able to suffer long through difficulties. Hello, pandemic. You're not bigger than Jesus. Are you with me? You got self-control. How, how many of you need self-control for your life? When you practice the presence of God, you begin to identify, hey, I don't have to take that step. I don't have to cross the threshold into this place that I know it's, it's, it's kryptonite in my life. That will weaken me from being, being everything that God has called me to be. But you can't do, the, do that in your own ability. You can only do it through the power of God. You practice the presence of the Almighty. You know, we sing, we sing songs like, uh, here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you're my God. You're altogether lovely. You're altogether worthy. You're altogether wonderful to me. And have you noticed that when you express that through song or you express that through, through, through uh, writing or, uh, you know, a journaling or you express it through maybe writing scripture that this past week I took some time to, to write out a psalm because I, 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 there's some things that I'm navigating through. And, and, and as, I, as I was talking to some, uh, some great people that I have in my corner, they said, have you, have you picked out something? PJ, have you picked out something in your, in, in, from scripture that's your foundation for this time that you're in? I said, well, I read a lot of scripture, but I, have not, I haven't picked out any, you know, one specific thing. And then I started reading, and the Lord showed me Psalm 4. And I started reading through Psalm 4, and it talks about, you know, uh, blessed is, is the Lord and, and how amazing it is when we come into his presence. And how we have people that sometimes come at us. They're against us. You ever felt that? Maybe people are against you? Not this service, but second service. They really struggle with that. Everybody loves you, first service. But the very end said, you will guard me with peace, and I will rest and sleep at night. And I just took that, and I owned it, you know, and I, and I began to just write it. And it, it's worship. It's, it's, it's more than just singing a song during Sunday morning. It's every day saying, Lord, you're in control, and you're good. And no matter what I'm facing, I'm going to make it through it. Here, here's the second uh, point, and the, the second point is a question that I think every local church should ask themselves. If Jesus entered our church today, would he find a place of worship and prayer? Do you think that God cares about the color of the walls on a building? He, he doesn't care about the carpet or tile as much as people do. And if you think about it, caring about things like this, it splits churches, it doesn't unite them. He, he doesn't even care about the style of music that you play. In fact, the songs that are played and the songs that are sung, as we worship God, those songs are played and they're sung for God, not for us. At the end, we should always be thinking, did it, did it, did it worship? Did we worship God with, with our songs? Did it worship God with, with the way that we 
sang unto him. Right? It's not the style of music that matters, but the intention of our heart that God cares about. And what does he care about? He cares about people having a place to come and worship him. That place could be down the road. If this house, if this, if this house of worship, if this, if this building was to burn down or something, some catastrophic thing happened to this building, guess what? We could probably go to Dub's Plumbing and say, hey, I know Dub pretty well. Hey, Dub, can we use your building? Can you take some, all those elbows and all those couplings and move them out for, for one, one day? And can we use it as a place of worship? And can I tell you something? That that place, if we went there and we lifted up the name of Jesus Christ, he would be in our midst. I'll even go a little bit further. If, if something happened to Dubs and something happened here and the only building that there was available was the ore house there in, in Oracle. And I went to the ore house manager, ore house owner, and said, hey, hey, you mind if we, uh, you, you know, you're not going to be up Sunday morning. I think people are probably sleeping during that time that <laughs> might come frequent Saturday night. I don't know. There might be people here, here from the ore house. Praise the Lord Jesus that you're here. But if we opened up that, if we opened up that building, that's just, that's just processes. And we took all the, the bar, you know, bar stools out and everything and, and kind of maybe put a curtain over, you know. Because we don't know if Jesus is going to turn that into wine, but we're not going to go there yet. That's another sermon, right? But we go in there to, to this, this place, you know, that's, that's open at night and they, they, they do a little bit of drinking and, and, you know, other things or whatever. We go there and we lift up the name of Jesus. Guess what? He's going to be there because God doesn't dwell in a building. He dwells in his people. But here's the thing. If Jesus was to come into our place of meeting, what would he say? That's sobering to me. If, because we, here's the thing that we believe. We believe that God is here. Amen? Because if God's not here, let's just, let's just leave. If God's not here when we gather to worship him, what are we doing here? Let's, let's, go, let's go someplace else. But if, but if God is here and if he's welcome here, then lives are going to be changed and great things are going to happen and you're going to leave here today with, with, with something in your, there's going to be something deposited into your life, into your heart, that's going to make you better throughout the week. So that's, that's, that's the whole thrust of what's going on right here when Jesus enters the temple is that there was not no life change. There was a lot of religiosity. See, I know about that. I know I was, I was raised in a church, I used to go to church, and, and, and there was, there was some, some, a lot of religiosity. I'm not saying that they were. I'm saying that's what I was doing. I'd go into a church, and I'd sit in the, in the back, and, and we would sit. We would kneel. We would stand. We would do all these different formalities during, the, during that service. But I remember that as I got older, I would have my, in my wallet, I would have my, my in a certain pocket, my money that I would take to go gamble and then I'd give, you know, $5 to that basket as it went by. And I would sit in the back and I would just sit, stand, kneel, look at who was there. 
until Jesus met me at a party. Because Jesus cared about my heart. And he began to work in my life. And I accepted him as my savior. And when, he, when that happened, radically, I was changed. Because I became, I became the temple of God. You, you hear me? And so, so what Jesus does, what Jesus does is he walks into this temple and he begins to play havoc with everything that's going on. There was a come to Jesus moment that happened there. And come to Jesus moments are vital to our spiritual growth. Are you with me? There are times in our life you might have gone through a very difficult very circumstance that you're, you're navigating through and you think it's so difficult, but maybe, just, just process this with me, maybe it's a come to Jesus moment. When he's coming into your life, he's allowing you to, to come to a place where you know that you need him and religion isn't going to cut it. Religion never cuts it. This come to Jesus moment. And I want you to think about it in your own life. Come to Jesus moments are either going to make you better or they're going to make you bitter. Right here, the religious people got bitter. From this time on, there was tension with the religious people. Did you know that? The, the climax of it, it, it turned into conflict. And then the climax is they said, the high priest said, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. But it made the disciples better because Jesus went against the, the established religiosity into a personal relationship with the Father in heaven. You see, Jesus values, he values worship, prayer, and communion above everything else. And if we're not having that, beloved, if we're not having that, we're not finding what matters in our life. If you don't come to, and, and gather together and, and feel that, that, that you've had worship, that, you, that there's worship going on, that you're lifting up the name of of Jesus, If you don't come and you, you feel like you can pray to the Almighty, if you come and, and, and you don't feel like you're having communion with him, like if he's actually here. See, I believe that when we gather together that Jesus is here with us. It's, it says where two or three are gathered, I will be there in their midst. So Jesus is here. You might miss him, but he's here. I don't want to miss him. That's why I come and I worship him. That's why I come and I lift up his name. That's why I come and I really don't care about the style of music. What I care about is that I'm able to sing praises unto the living God. Whether it's Spanish, French, Italiano, even though I can't speak those languages. But we're able to worship him. And, and what is Jesus finding? I, I think about the people there that... that that they, they didn't think that they were doing things wrong. Hear me. They didn't think that they were doing anything wrong. 
And Jesus comes into the mist, into their mist, and he throws, he plays havoc with what they're doing. Hello. Hello, American church. Hello. If Jesus was to walk into our midst, the things that we, that we complain about, the things that we get upset about, the things that are is so important to us, are they really important to God? Here's what the, the apostle Peter wrote. He said this, the time has come for judgment to begin, to begin at the house of God. He's talking to the New Testament church. God is continually refining his people. All of us are better because of this. All of us are better when, when God deals with us, with, with our selfishness, with, with the things that, 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 that we, we throw those temper tantrums. And I know Americans don't ever throw temper, uh, temper tantrums. But God deals with us. He deals with us. And, he, and where does he start? Where does he start? He starts in the house of God. The writer of Hebrews put it, put it like this. The Lord disciplines the one he loves. And he chastens everyone he accepts as his son or his daughter. And how many of you can say this with me? That when there's sound and healthy discipline in your life, it's always good for us. Amen? I never, I can count the times that my dad disciplined me on my hand. I can count the times. And sometimes, unfortunately, some parents go the other uh, side of the pendulum where they, where they turn discipline into abuse. But with me, my dad, I can count the times. And every single one of the times that he disciplined me, I needed it. And it was better for me. God loves you so very much. You know, and, and you can't buy the things of God with money. That's why he turned the, the, the merchants. You can't merchandise the things of God. And that's so important for us because I, I, I have to think about this. You know, we had this R1K year-end offering, and, and we, we said, you know what? Can we raise 80000 for this for this, for this, uh, for this campaign, for this work, to reach people, to, to love on people, to do things that are going to bring people? And then I always think to myself, you know, so we, we say we're going to raise 80000 and, and 98000 came in. Thank the Lord. But I always think to myself, Lord... We cannot merchandise your goodness. There was a guy by the name of Simon. He was a, he was a sorcerer. And, 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 and God, through, through Philip's preaching, Simon's life was completely changed and transformed. But Simon saw that the Holy Spirit was, was given to people. And, and, and as the Holy Spirit came on them, you know, he, they would exhibit the, the power of the things of the Spirit. That's what the Holy Spirit does in us. So sometimes people may speak in tongues. Sometimes people will prophesy. Sometimes people will, will act out and, and pray, and, and there'll be miracles that, that happen. We prayed last week for miracles, and I believe that we serve a God of miracles. But Simon saw this, and, he, and this is what, what happens. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given when the apostles laid their hands on people, he offered them money to buy this power. Because who wouldn't want the power of God? Right? Now, now, as people, this is what we do. We try to buy everything. Right? So he, he offered them money to buy this power. Let me have this power too, he exclaimed, so that when I lay my hands on people, they will receive the Holy Spirit. And Peter replied, may your money be destroyed with you for thinking God's gift can be bought. So that speaks volumes to me. Because here's the thing. We can't change people with money. 
but God can change people with his power. You ever tried to, to buy your kids and give them things so that they'll behave? It doesn't work. Here, here's the third point. The church is called to be a place where everyone can find sanctuary in Jesus. You see, the people in, 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 in the in that historical context right there, they couldn't grasp the enormity of the words of Jesus when he said, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. They didn't understand what he was saying. They didn't have the lens to know that he was talking about, I will die for the sins of humanity. But when you understand it, beloved, when you understand it, and you take sanctuary in Jesus, it changes your life forever. Bruce Milne, great theologian, he, he, he put it like this, Jesus', Jesus body offered up in sacrifice and raised up in power will be the new temple where God and humanity, creator and creature, will meet face to face. Jesus is always with us. He's always in us if we follow him. The great missionary and theologian Leslie Newbigin put it like this. The action of Jesus is more than an example of prophetic protest against corrupt religion. It's a sign of the end of all religion. Because when Jesus came, he put religion aside and brought up relationship with the Almighty. And I'm going to say this to you as I close. That if you have come to church to do a religious act, you're missing who Jesus is all about. Jesus doesn't care about religion. Jesus cares about a relationship that you can have with your creator. Jesus, who is the word, who became flesh, and dwelt among mankind is the one that can change our lives because he's God Almighty. And so if you're here today and, and, and you've been navigating, maybe, maybe this is the first time that you've, you've ever sat and heard of the relationship that Jesus wants to have with people. And maybe you view church as, as a building where people go, religious people go, and and, and, and maybe some, somebody has gone to church and, and you've been heard in church. That's not God. That's the opposite of God. Jesus, he's at enmity with religiosity because he wants a relationship with you. And he wants to give you peace that only God can give. And I want to invite you today. If you don't have the peace of God, if you've never said yes to Jesus, I want to lead you in a prayer so you can make Jesus your Lord. The simple prayer is just, God, I'm tired of trying to do life on my own. Lord, I, I admit that I fall short. I admit that I'm a sinner. But today, 
I believe that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. I believe that Jesus went to the cross at Calvary and died for all of my sins. And I believe that he rose from the dead on the third day, just like the Bible said he would. And so I, I confess Jesus as my Lord today. And I choose to follow him from this day forward. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. If, if you prayed that prayer, I just want just for us to, to solidify that. If you prayed that prayer and you say, that, that's me, I, I just want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. Just raise your hand and we will just thank the Lord. Amen. Beautiful. So you're just saying, God, I'm taking that first step with you. And he's going to meet you there. And, and the beautiful thing about this, this is so, this is so amazing is that in this setting with, with all of us individuals, in heaven, God is watching all this, and so are his angels. And the Bible sa says that when one person says yes to Jesus, the angels in heaven do cumbias. And you know what you guys did when these people raised their hands? So let's do a cumbia. And if you're online, today's the day that you can make Jesus your Lord and Savior. And if you pray that prayer, we rejoice with you as well. So God bless you. Let's all stand up and worship our King. This has been a message from Living Word Chapel. We hope that you've been blessed by it. Make sure you check out lwcoracle.org for more information.